In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We get to hear the story from Luke's perspective today. You know, we have a three-year cycle of readings. Two years ago, we heard the Passion according to Matthew. Last year was Mark. This year, it is Luke. And the Passion Gospel reminds me how in Luke's Gospel, there is a kind of emphasis on Jesus reaching out, touching the lives of all kinds of different people. The poor and the needy are more prominently mentioned in Luke's Gospel. Those who are sick, those who are possessed. Luke mentions tax collectors and sinners, those who were hated, those who were judged by the majority of society. Luke mentions women more than all the other Gospels. There at the end we even heard the women who had traveled with him from Galilee and other places. It mentions that women were part of the company of the disciples. It says that there were some women who provided for the needs of the group. These were um, some chicks with cash who paid the way. Prominent among the disciples. Luke mentions Gentiles, Samaritans, Romans, those who are not part of the religious tribe. He seems to have a special heart for those who are on the margins of society, emphasizing the way in which Jesus or the gospel touches the lives of people on the fringes. For instance, only Luke mentions the shepherds. We know it from the Christmas story. But only Luke mentions shepherds in the fields. I mean, shepherds were not um, in the well-to-do areas of first century society. They were despised as having a lowly and dirty profession. And it's to them that the announcement of the king being born comes Luke mentions the prodigal son as a parable. None of the other Gospels do. The loving father who loves the rule breaker and the rule keeper, just the same. And it's only in Luke we hear about this tax collector named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man up in a tree. And Jesus says, I'm going to your house today. I'm having a meal with you knowing well that rabbis don't eat with sinners. And tax collectors were considered the most sinful lot. The love of Christ touches all those different kinds of people in Luke's gospel. And in this passion narrative, you see Jesus touching lives all the way through, right up to the end. It's almost as if the point of it is to say, you can reject this man. You can hand him over to be arrested. You can mock him. You can spit on him. You can crown him with thorns. You can beat him. You can drag him out of town 
and nail him to a piece of wood, leaving him there to die. But you can't keep good things happening. For everywhere he goes, even going to his death, good things happen to the lives he touches on the way. So let's go through the story. The high priest. You know, other Gospels mention this. It was Peter, they say, who cut off the ear of the high priest soldier. Luke doesn't focus on Peter. Luke says Jesus healed the man whose ear was cut off. So here's Jesus about to be arrested, about to be betrayed, about to go on trial. You would think he'd have plenty to worry about. But he is still concerned with people who are suffering in his presence. And so his total attention is on the man who's just lost his ear, a man who is in pain, a man who needs healing. And Jesus touches him and heals that wound. Jesus is thinking about others, even when his life is on the line. There's this odd mention of the reconciliation between Herod and Pilate. It says they became friends that day. Until that point, there was a standing feud. On one hand, it could be just a jab that Luke is making. You know, the power people, Herod and Pilate, conspire to put Jesus to death. On the other hand, when we get to talk about Pilate later in the story... He's given pretty gracious treatment. Pilate does not want this man to die. There's no case. There's no trial. Right? I'm going to let him off. Once, twice, three times, Pilate tries to let Jesus go. Now, in the end, he's a coward. In the end, he succumbs to the pressure of the people. He signs the execution warrant. But there's not judgment in this story about Pilate. He's given gracious treatment. And maybe then, on the other hand, this story about Pilate and Herod coming together is an ironic way of saying that the Prince of Peace, no matter where he goes, is bringing reconciliation. Even these old enemies, Pilate, and Herod are now friends because Jesus came close to their situation. The daughters of Jerusalem, Jesus meets these two, uh, not two, but a band of women who are mourning for him. And he says, I'm mourning for you. Tough times are coming, evil days. He's actually looking forward to the year A.D. 70, when the Romans will destroy uh, Jerusalem. That's when the wood is dry. There'll be a fire. They'll burn it to the ground. They'll destroy the temple. There'll be much suffering of mothers and children and those who are now homeless and destitute with their city destroyed. That's what Jesus is thinking about, even though he is in great suffering. I don't know how you are when you are suffering. For me, I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty sorry for myself. 
I almost have like a kind of amnesia. Like, let's say I have the flu. It's like I can't even remember what it was like to be well. And I start to wish that there was somebody around to pay a little attention, to bring me a 7-Up, to bring me an ibuprofen. If no one is around, I call my mother in Michigan. <laughs> because I need somebody to care for me when I'm ill. Jesus has just been scourged. It says flogging in the gospel, but we know what the Roman scourge was, what they did to criminals. It was 40 lashes minus one. The one was to be merciful, but the 39 were brutal. Beaten with sticks, beaten with whips, whips that had tied around the various flagella on the ends, pieces of glass and bones and rocks and nails to brutalize, to destroy a person. More often than not, a person who was scourged would die from the scourging itself. So here's Jesus suffering much more than a cold or the flu. And yet his attention is on the suffering of others. He touches their lives. The executioners, people who are paid to kill other people, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They really do know what they're doing. They're good at it. They're good at the violence they have learned and continue to inflict upon other people. Jesus says, don't blame them. They're not in their right minds. They don't know. They don't know what they're doing. There's the criminal. Two, right? Thieves on the crosses. One mocks. Jesus, the other, pleads for mercy. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I find it curious that we have a hard time knowing that we're forgiven, don't we? That we're really forgiven for the things that we've done the way we've hurt other people. It happens in confession where I hear from someone who feels like they've done that one thing. It is inexcusable, unforgivable. It's too bad. Here is a condemned criminal under a sentence of death. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he says, today... Today, you will be with me in paradise. It's full absolution. It's full forgiveness. It's not a thousand years after purgatory. It's not after you are able to pay it back. Today, 
we're good. Today, I accept you. Today, you are forgiven, no matter what you have done. The centurion has the last word. This is very Lucan. Luke gives the final line to an outsider, to a bad guy, to a foreigner, a pagan, a Roman. A centurion means he was over a hundred century, right? Over a hundred troops hated by Jesus' countrymen. He says, beyond all doubt, this man was innocent. Don't know what it was. How did he know? How did he witness this miscarriage of justice, this trumped-up trial, an innocent man going to his death? Somehow it touched him. Somehow he saw this heart of a man who touched everybody on his way from condemnation to the cross. He saw it. This man is innocent. His life was touched as well. You know, Luke was very careful about how he wrote his story. He had his own emphasis on the things Jesus did and taught and said and the people that he touched. We also know from the New Testament that Luke was a physician. He traveled with Paul. Paul mentions him, I think, in Romans. Luke, the beloved physician. He himself was then probably a man of compassion, a man who wants to uh, relieve the suffering of other people. Sensitive to that in the Jesus story. That's why he writes it down. I think if he were here today, I think if he were able to talk to you hearing his story, he might ask you the kind of question that ask, uh, doctors ask their people all the time. Where does it hurt? How does Jesus touch your life in hearing this? Where are your wounds? Who do you identify in this story with? The centurion, someone who is keenly aware of the unfairness and the injustice in our world, and yet here's this good and innocent man right to the end. Maybe the criminal, maybe you are burdened with shame and guilt or feeling there's something for which you can never be forgiven. Not true. The executioners, hard heart, angry. The daughters of Jerusalem, concerned about their families and their future. And Jesus sees you, and he touches you there. Simon of Cyrene, you know, stuck by circumstances. He comes into town. He's made to carry a cross, and you're carrying something too. But you know Jesus is there. You know that he is near. Herod, Pilate, 
fear, cowardice. Jesus sees it, and he doesn't judge you. The high priest, servant with his ear cut off, ouch. Where do you hurt? Where do you need healing? Jesus touches the lives of all kinds of people right to the very end. How does he touch your heart, your life, your wounds, your need today? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.